Um, thank you too for the opportunity to teach today and I'm especially grateful because Pastor Andrew asked me to teach on something that I'm passionate about, have been for many years and will be until the day I die and that's discipleship, disciple making, growing as a disciple of Jesus and helping others uh, to grow as disciples. One of the best known verses uh, in the Bible is Matthew 28 verses 18 uh, through 20. These are the last recorded words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. And if my machine works... Yes. Uh, so let me read that out. Then Jesus came to them, that's the disciples, and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, a leader's last words to their followers are usually considered pretty important. Uh, they're what the leader wanted their followers to remember. Jesus clearly claimed that he had the authority to instruct his followers. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And as one of his followers, I'm not going to argue with that. Jesus instructs his followers. In the first instance, it was the disciples. But it seems pretty clear that he was talking about subsequent followers also, that as we go, and that phrase is perhaps uh, can be thought of as that as you are going, you should make disciples, baptise them, and teach them to obey everything he commanded, including, we presume, this last command, about making disciples. Today I'm not going to teach on baptism. I'm sure Pastor Andrew has taught on that and will in the future. Uh, I'm going to focus on the making disciples. So because I want my key points to be very clear, I'm going to give them to you now, my conclusions, uh, and then um, uh, and they are that it is normal for followers of Jesus to continue to grow as disciples throughout their lives here on earth. And secondly, it's normal for followers of Jesus to help others grow as disciples of Jesus. So I'm going to talk a bit about this. We're going to open the word together and look at different aspects of it. But if you go away with nothing else, I encourage you to go away with those two points, that it is normal both to grow as a disciple of Jesus and to help others do the same. And so... To make it a little more specific, we'll ask... Yeah, are we going to... Yeah. So the questions are, am I growing as a disciple of Jesus and am I helping others to grow uh, as disciples? Before we get into the heavy stuff, I thought I'd, as a little aside, tell you a story. It's only vaguely linked to what we're doing. I can say that honesty is one of the elements of being a disciple... And I have a lovely illustration of, dis of honesty. For a number of years, when the children were young, I was away every Mother's Day. It was an annual student conference that I was helping to run. And so I wasn't there. The sacrifices you make. Malcolm was three or four years old. Judith, one or two, I'm not sure. Anyway, before I left for the conference, I took the children down to buy a Mother's Day present for Ferner. And we were looking around the shop and Malcolm pointed to some rather expensive perfume and 
I steered him towards some more reasonably priced soaps and so on. And so we bought this uh, nice present for Ferner. And then I knew he wouldn't be able to uh, keep his hands off it if he knew where it was. So we wrapped it together and then I hid it somewhere where he didn't know. On Mother's Day, I rang Ferner and wished her happy Mother's Day and uh, asked her to let me talk to Malcolm. So I told him where the present was and asked him to go and get it. It was in my bedside cabin or something. So I then chatted some more with Ferner, and uh, a minute later I heard Malcolm coming down the hallway and saying, Happy Mother's Day, Mummy. We wanted to buy you perfume, but Daddy said it was too expensive. <laughs> so, out of the mouths of babes, honesty. Um, let's refocus on discipleship and the questions. Uh, am I growing as a disciple, and am I helping others to grow? Now, the word, the word disciple, and this is the only Greek we're going to get into here, but the word is mephites, um, and literally it means a learner. It's from the root word math, which probably puts people off when they think of mathematics, but it indicates, according to Vines, thought accompanied by endeavour. In other words, it's purposeful. You're really you're wanting to learn. You're doing something about it. And it denotes one who follow, follows someone's teachings, uh, as in the disciples uh, of John and also Jesus. Note that Jesus didn't just tell his followers to lead people to faith. Obviously, that's really important. And in other places, he did exactly that. He said, you know, come follow me and I will make you fishers of people, for instance. But he's telling here, he's telling his disciples to make disciples. He doesn't want people just to be converts, just to be believers. He wants them to go on and realize their full potential as disciples of Jesus. I suggest to you that it's God's design for us to continue to grow as disciples throughout our lives here on earth. And I'm going to show you a number of verses. I'm not sure whether you'll be able to read them, but I'll just pick up on the highlights. And there are many, many more, but these are just some of my favourites that give this idea of continuing growth once we come to faith. So in 2 Peter, there's a whole list of things. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your Faith, goodness, goodness, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, then godliness, then mutual affection, and then love. But here's the interesting point. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, in other words, if you're becoming more like these things, then uh, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, this idea of growing. Um, in Ephesians, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds, and to put on the new self. So again, this idea of, um, of changing and growing. Ooh. Yes, here we go. Um, one of my favourites... Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect or contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed, changed, transformed into his image, that's the image of Jesus, with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Again, continued growth, continued changing to be like Jesus. 
Um, this is one of uh, what Paul was saying, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering and, and so on. And again, um, this idea of pressing on to take hold of it. And then also um, something of a... Uh, in this case, uh, there's something of a rebuke in Hebrews where the author is rebuking people for the fact that they haven't grown, that they're still like little children who need spiritual milk when they should have moved on to solid food. And then in Ephesians, the idea that God has given specialists, pastors teachers, evangelists, and so on. Why? To help everyone to grow to maturity in Christ. So, the point being that I think the Bible is pretty clear that growth or continued growth as a disciple is normal. It should be expected. It's also normal, I think, for followers of Jesus to help others grow as disciples. It sort of follows that if it's normal for people to grow, it's normal for people to help them to grow. And this universality of disciple-making responsibility is strongly implied in Matthew 28 that we looked at before. The disciples are to make disciples and teach them everything Jesus has commanded them, including making disciples and teaching. It goes on. It's also clear from one of my favourite verses, you can see I've got lots of favourites, um, in 2 Timothy 2.2, where it says, you then, my son, be strong in the Lord, that's verse 1, and the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faith, reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So there's this idea of ongoing. Um, and you pick it up in the one another's. Are you familiar with the, the one another's? Love one another, care for one another, submit to one another, and so on. A number of those refer to encouraging people in their growth. So to recap, it's normal for followers to continue to grow as disciples and it's normal for them to help others. Now you'll notice that I've been using the word normal. One of the meanings of normal is the same as usual or common. But there's another meaning of normal, which is the way it should be or normative. And that's the sense I'm using today, that growing as a disciple and helping others grow as disciples is the way it should be. It's the way God designed it. Unfortunately, while it's normal, it's often not very usual. And if you think of a typical church, there are a number of people who are progressing on as disciples, but there are others who come to faith and then really don't seem to go anywhere. And we're talking about all different ages. So you can see people who are in physical years quite mature, but actually quite immature in their faith. And that's sad. It's wonderful that they are in the kingdom and will spend eternity with God. That is wonderful. But it's sad that they haven't realized their full potential in the kingdom here on earth, as Jesus wanted them to do. And while some don't seem to grow as disciples, others, uh, certainly many others, don't see their role in helping people grow. And hence the title of my talk today, which is Discipleship, Making the Normal Usual. I'm a bit of a pedant. I like words like that. Anyway, what does discipleship look like? And 
I want to consider what discipleship is like in practice, um, both from the point of view of a growing disciple, that's everyone here, we want to grow, and also from the perspective of you as a disciple maker, helping someone else to grow. And since Jacob has been the centre of attention this morning, I want us to consider him as our model. Bear with me. What's happening here? Sorry. Okay. So when you think of the stages of growth of a baby, we can think of a number of elements. And I want to here compare the physical baby, Jacob, as he is now, and the new believer, because there are many similarities. Jacob doesn't really understand what life is all about. The new believer doesn't really understand a lot of what their new life in Christ is about. Jacob needs a lot of continual, individual attention. Just ask Laura or Malcolm or any other parent here of a young child. A new believer also needs regular, if not continual, certainly regular and individual attention. Jacob is not responsible for his own growth. Others are responsible for his growth. And in the same way, a new believer can't really be expected to be responsible for their own growth. Others need to um, take responsibility there. A baby is physically vulnerable. They can't really protect themselves. And a new believer is spiritually vulnerable. And I think that's why Jesus came down so hard on people, he said, who led little children astray. Because they are vulnerable. They can't look after themselves. And spiritually, it's the same. Ferner, my wife and I have been involved in um, helping a new believer who, in fact, is getting baptised probably in about 20 minutes uh, back in, in Wellington, and we're really excited. She's from mainland China, uh, and she visited a church over there and then came to New Zealand and came to faith earlier this year. Already, we have had to protect her from two different cults who sort of came around and seemed really nice and so on, but were just inveigling themselves into her life and would have led her astray. And she didn't see anything wrong with them. They were nice people and they seemed to be saying good things, but we had to protect her. It's the same. Babies need protecting, new believers need protecting. Jacob needs easily digestible food. It's usually called mother's milk, um, and it's sort of pre-digested and all. And spiritual babies or new believers are sort of the same. They need easily digested food. They need simple stuff. So typically, the Bible study that a new believer will do has big, long questions and little short answers, spaces for answers. And it's pretty hard to get the wrong answer. And sometimes we look at these studies and think, oh, they're too simple. But you know what? They're exactly what a new believer needs. And then there's time to, to move on. Typically, uh, babies make poor decisions and they make lots of messes. And uh, new believers make some pretty poor spiritual decisions and they make a fair few spiritual messes and they need cleaning up after. And you shouldn't be surprised by this. Um, this is what it's like for growth. And typically, a baby is rather selfish 
And in the same way, a new believer, we shouldn't expect them to exhibit a whole lot of Christ-like behaviours and characteristics. They're just a new believer. They've just come from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So we shouldn't be too surprised. So, Jacob is a teenager. Think forward to what he will be like then. He'll understand more about life, and so will our growing disciple. Jacob won't need so much continuous individual attention. More of his learning could be in a group situation. Ditto for the growing disciple. He takes an increased responsibility for growth. Now, hopefully the truant officer doesn't have to come around, but at least Jacob will know that he should be at school and will probably do some homework and so on. So they're not taking full responsibility, but they're taking more responsibility. Ditto for your growing disciple. They're less vulnerable, but still they need some guidance. Same for our growing spiritual uh, disciple. Um, they can feed themselves and they can handle a wider range of foods you know, teenagers still need a bit of help with avoiding the junk food and, you know, getting some decent food. Well, spiritually, it's the same. A teenager, as a teenager, Jacob will be making better decisions and fewer messes. But there'll still be a few, you know. I can still remember when the kids pranged the car and when other things. Well, spiritually, the same things happen, and we need to understand that. You know, some of the Growing disciples can make some spectacularly bad decisions, and some of them have big consequences, but we need to support them through that. That's part of growth. We need to be there for them and support them. And then we expect in Jacob to see increasing self-control and seeing others' needs and able to be helping others, we would hope. And again, we see increasing Christ-likeness in our uh, growing disciple. Now I want to move on to the next stage. Yep, there we are. Um, and here we have Jacob at 27. Now I chose 27, not at random, but I thought it might be easier, easier for you to visualise if you just think of his dad, Malcolm, who is 27. So that'll be easy. But has a pretty good understanding of life. And our mature disciple is the same. They've got a pretty good understanding of the spiritual life. They're not revisiting all the basics over and over again. Pastor Andrew knows a relative of mine who, unfortunately, is quite growing in years and yet is still at the stage, after many, many years in the faith, of still revisiting the basics. And it's very sad because they just can't move on. Um, Jacob at 27, or Malcolm, is pretty self-sufficient. He needs social interaction and encouragement, but actually is, is, is quite self-sufficient. Same for our mature disciple. Um, importantly, and this characterises a university student rather than a high school student, is that they are fully responsible for their own growth, their own learning. So the lecturers are there to teach you, but they're not going to make you turn up. It's up to you. You have to apply for the course. You have to go along. That's the mark of maturity. And the same. Pastor Andrew will teach you here, and your life group leaders will help you, but you need to be here. You need to do the studies. You need to be involved and so on. So a lot more of the responsibility is, is for you. Um, there's an increased security and stability and ability to guide others and provide that stability. 
By this stage, Jacob at 27 or Malcolm knows what to eat. They know what's good for them and what isn't. Whether they always choose to, uh, to eat what's good is another matter, but um, they make fewer messes. And in fact, now they're at the point of cleaning up after other people. Well, that's what mature believers do. They clean up after younger believers. They help them. And certainly, as a 27-year-old, Malcolm and Laura are in the point of helping others to grow. That's Jacob, physical children. Your mature believer, your mature disciple, is actively involved in helping younger believers to grow. So I hope from our comparison of the uh, physical baby, teenager, mature, you can get this sense of what it's like to be spiritually new believer, growing disciple, and mature disciple. Now, I, I caution that, of course, it's not perfect like that. Things occur in different orders. There's a lot more steps involved and so on. But I think that will, I hope, will, will paint a picture. When we think of a mature believer, there are some lovely verses which talk, describe what this mature believer is like. Technology. Um, now the Bereans were of more noble character than Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Now that's the mark of a mature disciple. They take Pastor Andrew's message, or mine, or anyone's, and they check out against scripture whether what he's teaching is true. This is good. This is a mark of a disciple. Sorry, our technology is... We just go back. Thank you. So, Hebrews 5.14, But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Constant use. They know the word. Uh, then 2 Timothy 2.15, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Again, the mark of a mature disciple, someone who knows the word and handles it accurately. Um, we, I'll leave you to do the progression if you would. Um, we move on to Colossians 4.12. And this is a lovely verse because it gives it at two levels. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. So we have a description of these people standing firm in all the will of God, mature uh, and fully assured, but we also have the picture of Epaphras, who is serving these people by praying for them and encouraging them. So, again, nice. And then I've mentioned 2 Timothy 2.2 previously. So, my question to you, or one of my questions to you at this stage is, where are you at? What stage are you at? Are you a baby in the faith? That's fantastic. That's wonderful that you've come to faith. Um, now you've got the opportunity to grow as a disciple. Are you a teenager in the faith? You've been walking with the Lord a while, you've picked up some stuff, you're growing, taking some responsibility. Fantastic. Build on that. Build in maturity and help others. Are you more mature with good, a good, stable relationship with the Lord, confident in your faith, 
knowing and handling, ac handling accurately the word of God and qualified to take responsibility to help others, fantastic. There's not many of you around. The church needs you. The family of God needs you. And I encourage you, be more active in continuing to grow for yourself. Try never to plateau and also be more involved in helping others. <clears throat> and that's what I want to turn to now is about disciple-making, so the role of disciple-making. And for those of you who are not involved in disciple-making, there may be some tips here, but it'll also help you as you think about who could help you. You want to find someone to help you and so on. The best thing that anyone can do if you want to get into disciple-making is to do a study of the book of Thessalonians, and in particular, chapter 2. And so what I'm going to do now is to read through a couple of verses in chapter 1, but then chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians, and just make a few comments. And I don't need to make many because it's fairly obvious um, where we're at. So if you could just pull up the first. So in chapter 1, we see, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. Critical step of your disciple-making. You're trusting God. You're dependent on God to work in this person's life. In Corinthians, it says, so neither the one who plants, neither one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. That must be evident in how you're helping someone grow. And that is shown by your prayer. You pray for them regularly. In verse 4, we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he's chosen you. You need to be convinced that this person has been chosen by God. It's not about you, it's about them. And then we move into chapter 2. In verse 2, we had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. There may be opposition. It may be difficult. But that's because you're, having, you're making a real impact in the kingdom. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. When you're helping someone grow as a believer, there's no place for trickery, there's no place for anything. It's just straight-up honesty. We're not trying to please God, or please people, but God who tests our hearts. That's who we're accountable to in our work with helping others. You know we never use flattery, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. See this idea of the, the picture of the parent and the child. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Do you know, in Luke it says that Jesus appointed 12 appointed the twelve, appointing them disciples to be with him. And he sent them out to preach and to drive out demons. That idea of being with. People learn so much from what they observe rather than just what they're taught academically. I've had the privilege of living in the home of a mature Christian couple and I could observe them. Over the 29 years that Fern and I have been married, we've probably had 50 or 20 different people living with us, either for a year or for a short time. And we try to live our lives in an open way so that they can see us, warts and all, and they have the opportunity to critically assess us and to learn. So this idea of allowing 
the people that you're helping to see your lives is really important. Allow them to see you in difficult situations. And yes, they may observe you swearing once in a while and having to apologize and ask forgiveness for it. That's all part of learning to be a disciple. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. It can be hard work. It may mean that some early mornings, meeting a new believer to teach them how to have a quiet time. We lose a few nights of the week at the moment um, with a couple of uh, different discipling arrangements that we're involved in. Um, so we lose two nights watching television. But I can tell you what, I know which is more important for the kingdom. We're out there discipling. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. Now remember, you don't have to be perfect. If only perfect people can be disciple makers, there will be no disciple makers. We're living this side of heaven. We're not perfect. But we need to be able to say, as Paul said, be Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And we will not be effective in being a disciple maker unless we are growing as disciples. And that's the critical factor here. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Remember, each person, each spiritual child, just like a physical child, is unique, created uniquely by God. In your disciple-making, you should not be trying to make them conform to some standard, you must all be the same. You must help them grow in their uniqueness as the person that God has designed them to be. We also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word, not as human word, but as it, as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. The word, the Bible, should underpin everything you do when you are helping a younger disciple to grow. You should be pointing them to the word, helping them to understand it, helping them to know how to handle it accurately and use it, so that they'll move on and they won't need you to do it for them because you're instructing them. And of course, really what we're trying to do is make yourself redundant. Okay, summarising a few of those points from 1 Thessalonians 2 and also making a few other observations about disciple-making. Um, so, um, yes. so, pray and depend on God. Um, we talked about that. The right motives... Remember, it's not about you, it's about the person you're helping. The focus is on helping them grow. You will get benefits from it. They will be a wonderful challenge to you and they will help you in your growth, but that's not the focus. The focus is on helping them. Honesty at all times, it should go without saying, but we say it anyway. Encourage their individuality, we've covered Encourage input from others, something that Pastor Andrew will be very worried about if he sees someone who's discipling a young believer and is sort of taking them away from the fellowship and trying to be the sole provider for them. No, then you must encourage someone to be part of the fellowship, to be getting input from others. Now, this is an important one. 
Discipling relationships should end or change. Think of a parent. I had a certain type of relationship with Malcolm when he was very young. That relationship changed when he was a teenager. (laughs) It really changed. And now it's quite different again. Now we're much more as peers. He knows much more about some areas of uh, theology and issues and other stuff than I do. So we can challenge each other. Um, And so it's moved, and you see how things move. It's not about you keeping this person always being junior to you. What you should be praying for is that they will go on past you and do much more than you could ever have done. That's the attitude you should have. In the same way that we are trusting that God will use our physical children to go on and do much greater things than we do, and Jacob even more, so it should be with the people that you're helping spiritually. You'll see them go on. So you may help them for a period, but um, only uh, for a a time, and then they'll move on into a a different sort of relationship. Um, When we think about it's not just about you. Think of a primary teacher. They provide most of what a young uh, student's needs are required, but as they go to secondary school, you get specialist teachers. And so when I'm helping a a growing disciple, there's some areas that I'm not gifted in. And if I want them to learn, I'll ask someone who's gifted in that area to train them. I'm not a gifted evangelist, but I want the person I'm helping to grow in that area. So I'll find someone who's a gifted evangelist and say, can you help this person? And similarly in other areas of speciality. So think of yourself as they grow older more as a coach rather than the sole provider. And coaches provide specialists and and others. Um, There's also this progression of the types of mentoring, just like with parents. So initially I was helped by someone who was very focused. We met regularly, they helped me. Then we moved on. Uh, Someone else, Linton, trained me as a disciple and early disciple-making, and then Mike and Paul mentored me in Ferner in our ministry and in parenthood. And Jim, who is currently my main uh, occasional mentor, and that's the sort of thing that it changes as you become more mature, from the very intense and focused through to the uh, more occasional mentor. And also, discipling occurs in different contexts. Do you know it's happening right now out there in Sunday school? That's about discipling. It can occur in your family. It can occur in lots of different situations. The key is it's purposeful. It's focused on growth. Repetition is important. um, Teachers know that, and so did Peter when he said, I'll always remind you of these things, even though you know them, and are firmly establishing the truth you now have. There's also a need to get a balance between curriculum, as in stuff you need to learn, and also the problems that someone is dealing with at the time. If you deal only with the problems that they come with, you communicate to them they're just a problem. On the other hand, if you're only dealing with the curriculum, as in the stuff they need to learn, then there's no sensitivity, there's no dealing with where they're at. You need the balance. So we could go into a whole lot of detail on what you can do at each stage. We're not going to do that because that's time, that's for other other lessons, other teaching, and Pastor Andrew can do that. But what I want you to reflect on is this idea that it is normal for people to grow as disciples of Christ throughout their lives, and it's normal for people to help others to grow. 
I encourage you to think about where you are at as a disciple and think about what are the next steps you need to take. Maybe what you need to do is identify someone who can give you some specific input and teaching into your life. This is in addition to what you're getting at church and maybe in your life group, but someone who can meet with you individually to teach you those really practical things. How do you pray? How do you read the Bible? How do you study the Bible? How do you tell your story of how you came to faith? How do you explain the gospel of Jesus Christ to someone? There's any number of skills that are really well taught in that that way. So think about who could help you. If you don't know, I'll defer again to Pastor Andrew who can try and help you. If you're already in the mature, uh, more mature, growing disciple, thinking about what are your next steps? Where do you need to learn? Where do you need to develop? And think about who's going to be providing the input and who you can be helping. So I encourage you to think about that. Let's pray to finish. Lord God, we thank you for new life in Jesus Christ. We thank you that when we believe in you, we have fellowship with you and that that fellowship will be forever. We will be forever with you and in your presence. Lord, we thank you that you give us the opportunity not just to believe now, but also, Lord, to grow closer and closer to you and become more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that for the satisfaction that that gives in terms of our relationships with you, with one another, and with those that we're helping. Lord, I pray for each one here that you would help them to work out where they are in their walk, their growth as a disciple, and to identify the next steps they can take to grow further, to grow to know you more and to serve you more. And Lord, I pray that in this church there'd be a real sense of wanting to help each other grow, that you would help people identify opportunities and people who they can help uh, to grow, to know you more. So Lord, we thank you that you love us, we thank you that you want the best for us, and we ask your blessing on everyone here. Amen.